sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this huge Tuesday in the world of sports. It is match day at the 2022 World Cup for Team USA. The United States men's national team needs a victory against Iran in the final game of group action at the 2022 World Cup to advance to the round of 16, the knockout round at the 2022 FIFA World Cup. We will break down that game in its entirety over the course of these next two hours until 11 a.m. Eastern time. That game kicks at 2 p.m. Eastern time here stateside on the East Coast out in Qatar. We will get you ready for everything you need to know for Team USA and Iran in just a little bit. We will also go around all of the National Football League. Week 12 now in the books. Where things stand in the futures market as we enter week 13 with some news and notes around the National Football League. A catch up on the action in the association. The NBA season continues on. A new set of college football playoff rankings comes out tonight ahead of conference championship weekend. And some college basketball news. A change at the top of the AP Top 25. So let's start with match day the united states men's national team we know what is ahead of the americans today against iran the final match of three in this group stage of the 2022 world cup team usa needs to win to advance no draw no loss a victory is needed over iran to get in to the round of 16 and to qualify out of group b this market is moving slightly when we showed you these odds yesterday outright Team USA was plus 105. Now it's even money, plus 100. Yesterday night, it dipped into minus money for just a few hours. And because of the importance of Team USA needing a victory, of course, we can take that into a certain level of handicapping for this match against Iran. Iran currently sits above Team USA in the Group B table. Iran with the win over Wales has three points. Team USA has drawn in each of its first two matches against the Welsh and then the English this past Friday. They only have two points. Iran qualifies out of Group B with just a draw. We talked about their strategy of parking the bus, playing defensive football today against the Americans. So scoring early for Team USA, putting the pressure and being aggressive on the Iranians is going to be a very, very key matchup for this match between Iran and Team USA. So we look at the first goal. Team USA heavily favored to find Twine first here in this match today. It is extra important given the clinching scenarios to get out of Group B. It's match day at the 2022 World Cup. Again, this match kicks off at 2 p.m. Eastern time between Team USA and Team Iran. Contentious yesterday in the pre-match press conferences, there is a lot of geopolitical nature outside of the pitch that will come to a spearhead on the pitch today in Qatar between Iran and Team USA. But from a soccer, football perspective, 
Team USA needs a victory to qualify out of the group stage to advance to the knockout round, the round of 16 at the 2022 World Cup. We will continue to break down that game from many different angles on these two hours of the morning after live on Sports Grid and live here on the grid. We welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience. The opening hour of TMA, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. So from football to football, Monday night football, last night in Indianapolis to round out week number 12 of this NFL regular season. The Colts were a two and a half point home favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Mike Tomlin has been great as an underdog in his 16 years at the helm of the Steelers organization and great on Monday night football. The Pittsburgh Steelers go on the road in Indy and get a victory outright as a two-and-a-half-point underdog beating the Indianapolis Colts 24-17. The Steelers had a 16-3 lead at the break, and then Indy turned it on early in the second half. The Steelers' offense stalled. Into the fourth quarter, the Colts held a 17 16 lead but then the rookie Kenny Pickett responds he leads a drive down the field finds fellow rookie George Pickens in the back of the end zone for a successful two-point conversion and Pittsburgh steals one on the road 24-17 there you see the numbers for Kenny Pickett last night efficient 20 of 28 174 yards but under his passing yards prop over his rushing yards prop as we told you to look out for yesterday 22 and a half was that closing number he finishes with 30 two yards and it should not be a surprise necessarily that an interim head coach in his third game ever as a head coach in the NFL in Jeff Saturday struggled with some clock management because Indy did have a chance to go down the field late in the fourth quarter and tie the Pittsburgh Steelers they get into Steelers territory Matt Ryan in his 15th year in the NFL scampers off for a big gain and Jeff Saturday says hey I have all three timeouts I'm not going to call a single one. Some questionable clock management at the end puts Indy behind the eight ball. I think Jeff Saturday wanted to run the football more than they did last night. Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries for 86 yards, just barely over his rushing yards prop that closed at 85 and a half. But when you look at the stat line for Matt Ryan, you can see why JT needs to be a focal point for this Indianapolis offense. Just 22 of 34 for Matt Ryan throwing the football. A buck 99 through the air. He was favored to throw an interception at minus 122. He did that on the second play of the game for Indianapolis offensively. Their hopes of making the postseason plus 2,500. Very much a long shot. We'll look at the futures market with Kevin Walsh in the NFL. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We call it Tangy Tuesday for a reason here on the morning after on Tuesday mornings when... Kevin Walsh joins the show. Old K-Dubs is here. It was so tangy during our commercial break. I'm kind of confused in what Kevin is going to say the rest of this opening hour of the morning after. Live right here on the Spiz Grizz on this Tuesdays. Old K-Dubs, welcome to the show here on TMA. We're going to look at the NFL futures market with you here, and mm. I'm excited to see what you have to say. Look, I, I, I'm sure I'll have plenty of, of things to say. I'm sure it'll be littered in accuracy as well, just like my tremendously correct opinion that Jeff Saturday 
needed to hold his timeouts if possible to try and get the football back if Matt Ryan couldn't convert on a fourth down. Unfortunately for him, Jonathan Taylor, overrated, couldn't pick up a third and two. And Matt Ryan doesn't really love the game, couldn't pick up the extra two yards when he ran on second and 17 after he got sacked on first down because he's completely immobile. All in all, things worked out. I need to make sure, and I'll look into this right now, but I'm pretty sure the Eagles, Kevin's favorite team, have the Colts' 2023 NFL draft pick in a trade for Carson Wentz, and I think that's what Kevin is looking at here. But otherwise, he's talking completely crazy. Hopefully, he has better things to say about where the futures market has moved in the 2023 Super Bowl market for Super Bowl Mm. 57. Kevin, let's look at that now. A change in the last month as we do so in Market Movers. So the column on your left here, the initial date from where this market moved from was following week number nine, early in November. So over the course of the past three weeks or so, Mm. here is where the market has moved. And Kev, after Sunday's results, rounding Mm. out week number 12, we had one of the bigger moves we had seen for the first time all year long, all regular season, preseason, summer, offseason. The Buffalo Bills no longer the favorites to hoist the Lombardi Trophy in Super Bowl 57. That became Mm, mm, the Kansas mm, City mm. Chiefs, a plus 550 number just a few weeks ago. Now the shortest on the board at plus 430. Buffalo moves back slightly, only 20 cents behind KC, but now the second best price with a dollar and a half of movement against them, plus 450. The Eagles back by a dollar and a half as well. The third best price right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 650. Every other team, including Kansas City, their prices have grown shorter. The Niners, some of the most substantial movement. 12 to 1, plus 650. The Cowboys, 13 to 1, now 9 to 1. The Dolphins have seen a good bit of movement, both in Super Bowl 57 and in the AFC Championship market. 23 to 1 now becomes plus 1,500 in the Bengals, who reached Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, trending on a positive trajectory as well. 28 to 1, over $10 of movement off that number, now plus. 1700 kev let's start at the top of the board what do you make Mm. of the kansas city chiefs now being the favorites where we stand following week number 12 to win super bowl 57 moving in front of the buffalo bills yeah you know it's it's fascinating because you know i'm not one to let things go and you did just suggest that the most unbiased man in sports media was a bit biased one thing people Accuse me of being biased is that I I hate the Buffalo Bills which by right. the way is something I've been assigned because I simply refuse to crown them the champions before they I don't know beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and what do you know something that I've been saying for two months maybe more yeah. is now yeah. the consensus The Chiefs always should have been the favorites over Buffalo. This isn't new to me. Apparently, it's new to them. I don't know what they saw. A dominating performance over Bryce Perkins, who could possibly care less. Josh Allen with bad interceptions on a Thursday. That's not all that new. Whatever it was that woke him up, of course I agree. Because the Chiefs should have been favored over the Buffalo Bills for a while now. 
And that is what we are seeing, not only here in Super Bowl 57, of course, but in the AFC title market. Buffalo only behind KC in the Super Bowl odds by 20 cents, just 10 cents of difference in that mm. AFC championship market. And Kev, what I find very fascinating as well is Kansas City has nine wins. They have the best record in the AFC. Buffalo is eight and three. KC is nine and two. Kansas City has hosted, hosted the AFC championship game inside Arrowhead each of the last four seasons. We saw a very similar script last year. Buffalo goes to KC, beats Kansas City in the regular season, but then has to go back to Kansas City in the postseason where it was an all-time game, but the Buffalo Bills may be given more credit for losing a football game in overtime than the Chiefs were giving credit for winning that football game against the Buffalo Bills. But speaking of the AFC Championship, we have a rematch this upcoming Sunday in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Right now, Kev, the Chiefs, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this football game. Jamar Chase is expected back for Cincinnati. The Bengals have won three straight games. They have covered in seven of their last eight games. Kev, what's the approach to this one with a short spread slightly in favor of the Chiefs? It's a very difficult game because I think Cincinnati is the fifth-best team in football. So to catch two and a half points in their own building is a bit substantial. And I'm a big proponent in not laying bad numbers. So I think Kansas City being a favorite of two and a half, close to three, is a bad number. But Mahomes under a field goal in his career is almost automatic. And Mahomes in a revenge spot, which this is, feels double automatic. It's a very, very, very tricky game. I think both, though, looking to make a statement. And if I'm honest, I think Kansas City could maybe use that statement just a little bit more, not just in terms of the outlook, but as much as I appreciate watching the Chiefs jump the Bills, Chiefs lose, Bills win, one seed gone. Just like that. This is not some wild lead Kansas City has here. And if Buffalo takes back the odds-on favorite to become the one seed... Kansas City will no longer be favorites to win this conference. Absolutely so. The Chiefs a minus 175 number to be that number one overall seed in the AFC right now. Kevin, another really big matchup on Sunday here for week number 13. Mm. Two teams that are trending in a very positive direction. The Finns have won five straight games. The Niners have won four straight games. Both of these teams in the Super Bowl market have seen their odds nearly slashed in half in the last three weeks. Who do you think makes the bigger statement on Sunday, San Francisco or Miami? Well, uh, see, again, this is where Miami can say, hey, we beat Buffalo. We beat Baltimore. We haven't lost with our quarterback. The Niners, though, the Niners interest me a bit. Again, people consider me biased, I'm sure. I have money on the Niners to win a Super Bowl. I'd love to see the Niners be plus 200. Probably offer me a cash out to be done with the whole deal instead of having to watch Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs. They have the same odds as the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, though, are about a minus 200 favor to be the one seed. The Niners in that market, 25 to 1. But I don't understand. The problem is the Eagles haven't beat anybody. Ah, but the Niners' resume checks in with wins over. Matthew Stafford, twice. Colt McCoy. Oh, oh, okay. And, and of course, their wildly impressive win over Justin Herbert with no available players. Maybe it's the Andy Dalton win. 
is what I needed to watch to buy all the way in on the San Francisco 49ers. They've not earned this movement. Have we forgot who their quarterback is? Jimmy Garoppolo. Folks, I know he's been to a Super Bowl, but again, he's not going to be favored in Philly if he gets there. So let's fix those odds a little. Oh, babe, don't tell me he's going to lay a number in Philly. (laughs) I mean, Kev, look at the postseason odds. That's a postseason number, and the Niners have that experience. The birds don't. It's tangy here on a Tuesday. We'll be back in a few. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now we go to the association here on this Tuesday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. A segment we have done with old K-Dubs Kevin Walsh the last couple of weeks called Buy or Sell. We get Kevin's take on where things stand about a quarter of the way through in the NBA. Some big picture conversations with a man that whose judgment I'm not sure I trust at the moment. Still, we're stuck on this Jeff Saturday clock management thing here on a Tuesday <laughs> on TMA. But let's do it right here, right now, in the association, in the NBA. It's buy or sell. Kev, last night in Sacramento, the Phoenix Suns were only a one-point favorite on the road against the Kings. Now, Sacramento has been a surprise to start off this season in the Western Conference, but Phoenix sits atop the board. Now the Phoenix Suns, after the win last night, 14-6 and six straight up, 12-8 and eight against the spread. They beat the Kings by five on the road in Sacktown. This was a Phoenix Suns team last year, Kev, that set a franchise record with 64 wins. They were the number one overall seed in the Western Conference playoffs. So the buy or sell question for you is this. The Phoenix Suns currently are the best team out West. I'll buy that. And... That was true last year as well. The problem for the Suns is they are now playing games that don't... Trying to find the right way. It doesn't really matter if you are trying to talk about whether or not you believe Phoenix can win a title is how I feel. Mm. At least for me. I highly doubt... The Suns are going to do anything from now until we get to the postseason where I'm going to go, you know what? This is different. Because they're not going to look better than they did last season. Last season, they were so good, their second-to-best player got MVP votes in Devin Booker, who's their best player now. But ultimately, the Suns got to the playoffs and they got embarrassed by the end of it that's just the truth of it they underachieved wildly the problem for phoenix is if the postseason was today round one i know it's not but just bear with me they'd play golden state and no one would pick them to win that series because people don't trust the phoenix suns so that's kind of the problem yes i think they're the best team in the west i think they should be favorites in the west over golden state right now because they've got their own issues Big picture trusting the Suns is still something I'm going to have a lot of hesitation on. 
It's a really, really good point. The Phoenix Suns did win the Western Conference two seasons ago, making it to the NBA championship before falling to the Milwaukee Bucks. But last year, it seemed like they were going to take that postseason experience. Chris Paul finally in the NBA Finals to pay it off as the number one seed after a historic regular season. And they faltered against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks when they were heavily favored to win that series. It almost seemed like the path was crystal clear to a potential Western Conference Finals matchup against the Golden State Warriors. The Suns did not get to that point. So I think Kevin is spot on in his assessment of Phoenix at this moment. The best team with the best record out West probably should be booked as the favorites currently, but they're not. And maybe the odds makers are telling us something in that pricing even this early on in the NBA campaign. Devin Booker, by the way, 44 points last night against the Sacramento Kings. Elsewhere out West, down South in Los Angeles, the Lakers were hosting the Indiana Pacers, an intriguing matchup for a variety of reasons, but there were a ton of rumors flying around, Kev, before this year got underway that the Pacers and the Lakers were going to be in trade conversations. Andrew Nemhard, a buzzer beater three, wins it for the Pacers at the end of regulation. 116-115 for Indiana, booked as a four and a half point favorite, on, or dog, excuse me, on the road in Los Angeles but we're going to take this to play a little buy or sell speaking of potential trade partners or at least rumored trade partners at a certain point leading into this NBA season Anthony Davis Kev has been on a tear he was last night for LA again 25 points 13 rebounds he is a walking double double with big big numbers here as of late but the Lakers are still five games below 500 a 7 in 12 record buy or sell the Lakers should trade Anthony Davis this season. So if the Lakers want to reassess their future and give up on the season, he's not the right person to trade. Anthony Davis has played six games without LeBron. He's averaging 32.5 points per game in those games, along with 15 rebounds, by the way. In his 11 with LeBron, 22.8. 11 and a half rebounds per game. That's a bit of a problem. Kind of unacceptable. I understand there's a bigger workload there. But Anthony Davis, at, <laughs> when they won the title, right, the, the idea was AD might have been better than LeBron then. And he was going to have to be moving forward. He's just been unavailable. 80 being better than LeBron was the plan. It cannot be that AD goes, ah, LeBron's not here. I better turn this whole thing up to 10. And then LeBron comes back and he ends up shooting less than both LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Anthony Davis is young enough that if you want to see what you can get for LeBron, you could put pieces around AD. That's the reality of it. And if you don't think mm -hmm. that you would get a haul for LeBron, you're wrong. Because a lot of this league is aware that they missed an opportunity this offseason by trying to keep pieces and not trade for Kevin Durant. The, I'm telling you that right now. I don't know if the Lakers and the Celtics be willing to make that kind of a deal, but imagine if Boston had LeBron. Imagine Milwaukee had LeBron. Imagine if Phoenix had LeBron. Then that question that you just asked me, is Phoenix the best team in the West? Way different. The answer, definitively yes with no questions about whether they can win when the postseason comes around. If they want to end this season, it's not number three who needs to go. 
All right, so you're selling the idea that Anthony Davis is the one to be traded, but if you're buying the idea that the Lakers need to make a deal at some point this season outside of Russell Westbrook, do you think LeBron James is that answer? Yeah, because this is... Do we really think they are a Russ trade away? They just played the team that they're supposed to send Russ to. And those two guys went... 12 for 30, 30 points combined by we're talking about Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Plus, you know you still have to send the draft picks out, and you know they don't want to do that. See, that's they could make those moves, Ben. They can get a bit better. A lineup of AD, Turner, Buddy, LeBron, and Austin Reeves, I guess, is good enough to be in some kind of a mix. Is it good enough to contend? Fair to have those hesitations. And how long is that window realistically going to be? The guys, when you look at the Pacers right now, who, by the way, have the fourth best record out east with a 12-8 and mark to begin this year. Tyrese Halliburton, sensational again last night. 24 points, 14 dimes, seven boards. And the man who said that LeBron James has to prove he is better than me, the rookie out of Arizona. (laughs) Benedict Matherin, 23 points off the bench with eight boards. It's the reason that oftentimes I joke about changing my name to Benedict because of how good he is on the basketball floor. All right, elsewhere out west, looking at some potential conference contenders, the Dallas Mavericks, Kev, signing Kemba Walker, adding him to their rotational pieces there in Dallas. So as we continue to play by ourselves, we haven't seen a ton of Kemba the last few years in the NBA, But Kemba Walker being added to the Mavericks pushes Dallas into contention. Someone behind the scenes is asking me to be mean, aren't they? I don't want to be all that mean. (laughs) You probably know who it is, right? The the answer is a a simple no. It's an obvious no. I can't believe this is a question. Kemba Walker pushes them into contention. Kemba Walker will be lucky to push Spencer Dinwiddie for minutes. Last time we saw Kemba Walker, he was a negative 13 net rating. I'm so, gosh, no. No, 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 no. Folks, they weren't, I mean, they, did they even really contend when Jalen Brunson was there? I don't know about all that. I mean, I know they were in the Western Conference Finals, but they didn't really feel of the level of the Golden State Warriors in the series. They've yeah. lost, what, four games in a row? Lucas playing as Good as ever? <laughs> Kemba pushes him into contention. No, certainly not. Certainly, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> All right, so certainly it sounds not, like Kemba Walsh is selling that idea. <laughs> By the way, as you saw there, the Mavs plus 950, the sixth best price in yeah, the man. West. A Western Conference Finals rematch tonight in Dallas as the Mavericks host the Dubs. They're a two-point home underdog, which is Interesting because Golden State only has two wins on the road, but they've won two yeah. straight away from San Francisco. Lucas still a co-favorite alongside Giannis to win the NBA MVP. Both of those players at plus 280. All right, buy or sell. Jeff Saturday is good at clock management because we need to finish this conversation yeah. once and for all. Let's just get that. Yeah, just 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 to again get this over with. If I'm Jeff Saturday, 
I'm trying to keep my three timeouts. After Matt Ryan shows me that he doesn't really have a love of the game and he goes down when the first down was right there, I'm not letting him make the play on third down. I'm handing it to my running back, who's supposed to be a legitimate superstar. And and the second that Jonathan Taylor doesn't pick it up, he, he honestly, you're right. What he should have done on fourth down was take a knee and got out of there because clearly his guys didn't have what that what it takes to win a football game. All right, fine. We're just slandering the Colts. I'm good with that. We can slander Matt Ryan. We can slander JT, although I won't stand for it. He's a proud Wisconsin Badger. But what I will say, Kev, is you can't really argue that he should Jalen have Allen transfer timeouts. We're going to argue. <laughs> That's top 10 next. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It all comes down to this in college football conference championship weekend is on the horizon and tonight the college football playoff selection committee will set the stage with their final rankings before the final rankings that will determine the top four in the college football playoff before we see what the cfp selection committee has to say it's what i have to say live right here on this tuesday on the morning after i'm best stevens Kevin Walsh is still here. We'll hear what he has to say about what I have to say as well. Because Kevin, one of the co-hosts of the early line. This is the morning after. When those two come together, especially on a tangy Tuesday for Ben's top 10, it's the early after. All right, here we go. Conference championship weekend is here. We will set the stage with my top 10. Kevin, will start from the bottom as we often do. I don't really think 7 through 10 is all that important except for one team that I look forward to comparing resumes with you on in just a moment. At number 10, I put in the team taking on TCU in the Big 12 championship game. That is Kansas State. At number 9, it is Clemson. They're playing in an ACC title game. I don't really think it matters where the Tigers are. They've been eliminated in my mind from college football playoff contention falling to South Carolina this past weekend. At number eight, the one team, Kev, that I am focused on, the Tennessee Volunteers, one of the more fascinating evaluations at this point entering conference championship weekend, I think, in all of college football. And at number seven, because I'm going to pat myself on the back here, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Two losses this year for Penn State against Michigan and Ohio State. Outside of that, 10 victories. I tweeted out on a late July's night that there was a Big Ten team unranked in the preseason AP Top 25 that would rank in the top 10 at the end of the regular season. They're in my top 10, and I think Penn State will be in the top 10 of the college football playoff committee's rankings tonight as well. Kev, 7 through 10, your reaction. Yeah, so again, Clemson, irrelevant. Uh, Honestly, I, I think there's an argument to be made that Florida State could be the highest-ranked ACC team. There's something to be said there about the automatic buys that are potentially going to be given during expansion. I don't think that's really necessary, but and I think you're kind of seeing that with the ACC. You say Tennessee's interesting, though, and I can only then make some assumptions as to why, and I would guess that has to do with having the same number of losses as Alabama, and beating Correct. Alabama. Correct. And I will 
basically say the same thing to you that I've told you all year long. It, yep. How you lose really matters. It's not just how you win. And it's, a, a, it's looking of the level. When the two losses are by four points each on the last play, it probably won't matter as much when you lose by roughly a billion points to Spencer Rattler. Correct. Listen, that is Alabama's resume. That is Alabama's stake against Tennessee. Because in the head-to-head -head matchup on Rocky Top, it was the Volunteers that won. I give more credit for victories. Because when you line up in a football game against one another as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, and you win outright, albeit at home in Knoxville, that also has to mean something. Yes, it was the final play of the game. Yes, Alabama lost by just a field goal and their two losses this year on the final plays of both of those football games by a combined four points and Tennessee got rocked by Georgia as I have spelled out many a time here and got absolutely demolished by Spencer Rattler. And now, Kev, I think a wrinkle to the Vols resume moving forward is the fact that Hendon Hooker is out for the remainder of this year, suffering a torn ACL in that fourth quarter against the Gamecocks. It changes how the committee must evaluate Tennessee moving forward. Yes, Joe Milton absolutely pieced Vandy to the tune of 49-0 in the regular season finale, but that's an evaluation piece in terms of are they truly one of the four best teams in all of college football. But from that deserving metric, Tennessee has two losses. Alabama has two losses. Neither will play in the SEC championship game. And the head-to-head -head has always meant something to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee and now the ninth year of this manner of determining a national champion. And Tennessee has that head-to-head -head victory. We might not have to get into this debate. We're doing it here, but it will be one that I will monitor, and I think we all will very, very closely. Though I will say, you yourself don't have Tennessee in front of Alabama. So right. I don't think we really need... I mean... If they magically all of a sudden put Tennessee in front of Alabama, we can monitor it. But they didn't do it right. last week. They are not going to do it this week because they smashed Vandy. It's a really, really good point. Because I think that in the committee's rankings tonight, at 5, 6, and 7, it will look like Ohio State at 5th, Alabama 6th, Tennessee 7th. Neither Tennessee nor Alabama plays this upcoming conference championship weekend. Why would they all of a sudden move Tennessee when both teams are idle. But that will be a certain factor of tonight's conversation. Who checks in at number five and who is number six? I have the Ohio State Buckeyes at number five in my top 10 and Alabama at number six. Kev, let's start there. The Tide have two losses. Ohio State only has one. Albeit, Ohio State's loss looks a lot worse and is a lot more recent in the common memory than that of anything Alabama has suffered this year. In terms of quality of wins, I'm not sure Ohio State nor Alabama really stacks up there. The Buckeyes' best win in Happy Valley against Penn State, maybe in that season opener against a very different Notre Dame team. Alabama's best win is Texas, based on an RPI standpoint, but they were a 20-and-a-half-point favorite in that game in Austin, and they went outright by only a single point. That is going to be a huge conversation, Kev. Pretty much the only discussion we're going to have leading up to conference championship weekend. If it does not go chalk, who gets the nod from the committee? One loss Ohio State, 
or two loss Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there, there, and then there are some assumptions we'll have to make at the top. But Ohio State, Alabama, for me, actually isn't as tricky maybe as for others. I absolutely think it's Ohio State. You talk about the wins. I think it's easily Ohio State. I think the Penn State win is better than anything Alabama puts forward. And the Notre Dame win might be better than anything Alabama puts forward. So that's pretty simple. Then you look at playing not high-level competition. Alabama's had moments, I guess. They pulled away from Arkansas. They smashed Vanderbilt. I mean, get in line, right? What's the – they didn't necessarily – you know, the A&M thing, I know Bryce didn't play, but the fact that A&M scored 20 points felt wild, right? Ohio State, Mm -hmm. I mean, just running people up and down the field, dragging them by their helmets, the Northwestern game, the weather game, you could maybe get a pseudo pass for that, I would think. I see Ohio State as, in terms of all of that, much easier. Here's the part where I think some people will probably disagree with me quite a bit. But again, just like the Jeff Saturday thing, I'm, I'm very serious. I think that the game against Michigan was significantly closer than everybody else. I think it was far closer than the final score suggests. Ohio State led at halftime. Because I feel like people are going to try and talk about this in the same way that they'll maybe talk about Georgia-Tennessee or Georgia-Oregon. How long in Georgia-Oregon did you think that Oregon was going to win that game? For none of it? How long did you think Tennessee had a chance to win that game? Not once? Let's be honest out there. 38-23 Ohio State driving on the 16-yard line of Michigan. And you out there thought they're going to score. They're going to go for two. They're going to get it. They're going to run Donovan Edwards into the line three times. They're going to get the football back. And they're going to tie this game at 38 apiece. Now, that didn't happen. CJ Stroud Stroud threw a pick, and Donovan Edwards took another one to the house. This was, though, a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. And a game that Ohio State led at the half. Final score is ugly, but I don't look at Ohio State and say to myself, Oh, they'll never beat Michigan if they play again. I think you left Georgia, Tennessee, saying they can play 100 times. Maybe five of them go Tennessee's way. I think Ohio State and Michigan play 100 times. It's around 50-50. It is a good point. I will say that. It is a very good point. It was damning, though, in my opinion, that Ohio State led 20-17 to at the break and mustered up three points in its own home stadium in the second half with the best scoring offense in all of college football. And again, physically dominated at the point of attack. Michigan running for 252 yards. I think they had like 70 at that halftime break against the Buckeyes this past Saturday. And when you look at Alabama's resume, because some will tell you they play in the SEC and they had a non-conference game against Texas, their strength of schedule is harder than that of Ohio State. Hogwash. Alabama's toughest test this year on the road against Texas. 20 and a half point favorite. They did not cover. They won by one. Against Tennessee, they lose outright on the road. Booked as an eight and a half point favorite. On the road in Death Valley against the Bayou Bengals, a two touchdown favorite. They lose in overtime to LSU. Against Ole Miss, an 11 and a half point favorite on the road. Yes, all of these games on the road, but they did not cover. They have not covered in their biggest games of the year. For the most part, Ohio State has, although they did not cover against both Notre Dame and Penn State, maybe. That's a wrinkle in this conversation as well. As you can see there, by the way, Ohio State has much better odds than that of Alabama to make the college football playoff 
on the FanDuel Sportsbook. In fact, when you look at the odds on the Buckeyes currently, they are slightly in minus money, although not favored, to get into the CFP. Kev, do you agree with what those odds say at this moment, that Alabama is such no. a long shot and Ohio State is minus in any sort of fashion? So, yeah, it is odd that they're all minus, right, because they all can't make it. Georgia and Michigan could easily cancel those games, and we know that they're in. So there's only two available spots, potentially. Alabama's big number, I agree with because it does appear they need a lot of help. The number I most disagree with, though, is TCU's minus 12,000. USC mm. is not tricky. If they win, they are in. If they are lose, they are out. There are some that believe TCU can can lose as well, just like Georgia Correct. and just like Michigan. I don't agree with that. I do not mm. think that one loss TCU belongs in over Ohio State, much less do I think they would actually get in over them. That TCU resume has fallen apart. The Big 12 is a nightmare. Oklahoma State top 10 win. Yeah, right. Kansas ranked win. Stop the madness. The Kansas State win is the win. It was in comeback fashion against a backup quarterback like all of their other wins. And also, in this scenario, they'll have lost to Kansas State. It kind of cancels one another out. I don't know. Honestly, Ben, I've thought about it. I can't get to a conclusion on what I do right now with Alabama and TCU with one loss. But I know for sure that I would put in Ohio State over one loss TCU. All right. That's a fair point. Common opponent, TCU and Alabama on the road in Austin. One team won as in seven and a half point underdog. The other team just barely won as a 20 and a half point favorite. Here's the final four, Kev. I think it's going to go like this tonight. Georgia won, Michigan two. TCU three, USC four. Now, the idea is on conference championship weekend that if it goes chalk, we're done. It's easy. These four will be in the college football playoff, but chalk is not necessarily the chalkiest it's ever been. TCU, just a two and a half point favorite in the Big 12 title game against Kansas State. USC, just a two and a half point favorite on Friday night in the Pac-12 title against Utah. The lone loss this year for the Trojans on the road by a final point in Salt Lake against Utah. We'll wrap up our number one up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out this opening hour by hearing from you. Here we are live on a Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. It is match day at the 2022 World Cup for the U.S. men's national team. A win is needed. It is a must win. It is not a can't draw or a can't lose. It is a must win against Iran. If Team USA wins, they are into the knockout round at the World Cup in Qatar. So we wanted to hear from you and what you think is the most likely outcome of today between the USA and Iran. We do that and fade the public. All right, Kev, so the three options we laid out are the results of the game. Will Team USA win? Will they draw against Iran? Or will they suffer a defeating, defeating loss right now most of the public around 68 percent 
saying Team USA will pick up the victory that they need for the three points to send them to the round of 16. Before we ask Kev, are we fading the public here? Let's have some kick picks with Kevin Walsh to end out this opening hour, huh? <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, I have a couple of them. Uh, daily yeah, specials, hey. each team for two corners today's plus 110. How about that? Uh, Netherlands, England, and USA to combine for eight goals is plus 230. Uh, and then in this USA game, due to the expected play style and importance, USA 15-plus shots is minus 115. Uh, I think they're going to have to pepper Iran here uh, in this game, so uh, watch out for that. And like, I'm not going to fade the public here. I believe that we will win. So let's hope. Let's hope it comes on through. I hope so as well. We know the plan of attack. We know that Team USA and Greg Berhalter need a win to advance to the knockout round. And when they do, Kevin Walsh will buy a scarf and he will lead us in, I believe, chances we get ready for the round of 16. Okay, Dubs, always a pleasure here. An interesting Tuesday on the morning after. I'll talk to you a little bit later. Yeah, no, sure uh, sure was a good time, man. I, I look forward to it. Uh, I look forward to the next one. I look forward to it as always. All right, hour number one is now in the books. Hour two is up next, following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Vassano.